It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons that we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Captain Marvel. Hey, Movie Maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined by my brother, Dusty. What is going on, Dust? Hey, dude, so I just got back from Utah and Idaho and driving all around up there. It was pretty, pretty awesome, especially seeing all the mountains and just, it's it's super spectacular getting out of, like, you know, California and driving around the other parts of the states. But, um, yeah, it was really cool. So I know you went up to Salt Lake, and we, we had our grandmother's funeral, which was sad, but at the same time, she lived a good old age of 88. But how was your trip? Oh, it was just fine, man. Took two days driving up there. Uh, spent the night, you know, as as you know, in Las Vegas. Didn't do any gambling. But, uh, you know, just, just one night to cut the trip in half. Six hours there to Vegas, six hours up to Salt Lake City the next day. And they got to hung, hang out with you, your family, and the rest of the family. Uh, it was a really good trip, really fun for sure. It was, like you said, a sad event. But, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing you got to appreciate even... Even when a death in the family, you have to at least appreciate the fact that it brings everybody together. You get to catch up. You get to see all those family members who live across the state, maybe even just a, or across the country as well. You know, I mean, we had some family members. You're in Arizona. I'm in California. We had some from Texas. Um, I think some people came from even further, other people in California. I mean, it was great seeing people that you only see once every three to five years, you know. I, yeah, I completely agree, especially, you know, with family. You know, you get to see all your cousins and everything. Yep. And, yeah. And yeah, then we but, get to see um, our kids interacting with their kids. So, like, all our cousins. So, I guess they're second cousins. I don't know what you call that relation. But, you know, it's it's pretty cool seeing them all play together and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it was, wasn't too cold, but it was nice with all the snow everywhere and seeing those beautiful mountains in Salt Lake is just... Just terrific. We just got back like um, uh, last night. So it's just, it's been uh, a whirlwind of driving, man. It was 640 miles. Holy cow. From, yeah, from Salt Lake to uh, back to Phoenix. But uh, yeah, we, we did great. And now back to, the, I got to watch Captain Marvel, right? So we got back early. <laughs> it was sad. I wanted to wake up early and, and drive on uh, Friday morning, but I woke up a little too early. Like at 3.45 in the morning, I woke up and I was awake and I was just sitting, laying in, in bed. I wanted to sleep longer, but I figured... I either lay in bed and, and not sleep or drive and not sleep. So <laughs> we drove back and I got back around two and then I was able to go watch Captain Marvel. So I'm super excited that, um, you know, we finally get to see another Captain, sorry, uh, uh, Marvel, regular Marvel movie. I feel the exact same way. But before we get to Captain Marvel, you know that um, I don't watch previews or the trailers. You don't watch them either. When I go to the movie theater, especially my local one, you've been there before. It's assigned seating. When you buy the ticket, you pick your seat. They're comfortable. You recline in them. It's so awesome. So because I already know where my seat is, um, when I get to the theater, if the trailers are still playing, I take a walk down the hallway. I'll go back and use the restroom again, that kind of a thing. And one of the reasons why I don't watch trailers, and we'll talk about some of the stuff from Captain Marvel today in the Captain Marvel trailer, but one of them is because I just want to be surprised by everything, right? Um, in the hallways of my movie theater, they have movie posters, and there's a new movie coming out. The name of it is Yesterday. Have you heard of this movie? No, I haven't. Okay, the movie poster is... It truly is all that I need to see in order to convince me to watch this movie. Now, here's if you look at a movie poster, you could pull it up on Googs right now or something. But if you look at the poster of yesterday, there's a guy walking across the street, um, kind of like an Abbey Road type picture walking across with a guitar on his back. And it says in big yellow font, yesterday. And it says, yesterday, everyone knew the Beatles. Today, only Jack remembers their songs. 
He's about to become a very big deal. And I don't need a trailer. That's all I need. If you can do one awesome picture, one movie poster the right way, you're going to get people like me wanting to see this movie just because the idea is so good. I don't need to be enticed by seeing funny jokes or or part of the action up on the screen, you know? That's a great point. I I, I completely agree. Usually I don't really even pay attention much to the uh, movie trailer. Or sorry, the um, uh, the posters. Posters. But yes, occasionally I remember seeing the the what was it? The aliens when that alien came out again. I remember seeing that. I was like, what? Another aliens movie? That's fantastic. You know what I do? So this time I actually got there a little early. Actually, a lot early, like thirty minutes early. So the movie started at four thirty, and I got there at four o'clock. I just was really early. I'm mean, still using a stupid movie pass. Uh. Like it's horrible. I tried to. I tried, you're supposed to log in through your app on your phone, and it wouldn't work. It kept saying, you're paid, but it's not working right now. So I actually had to contact their tech support. They manually added me into the um, to, to see the movie. So I got there early because I just didn't want to have any more issues. So I got there at 4 o'clock. The movie started at 4.30. What was great was Alita was playing. And I went and sat in on Alita, and I watched it. <laughs> like, um, I can't remember when it was. Oh, she went to the, the rollerball or whatever it's nice. called. Nice. Um, and then after that, I got to finish through my favorite scene in Alita, the bar fight scene uh-huh. where he, and then she goes down into the pits with, with, um, I can't remember, the, you know, the big guy. Uh-huh. Um, Jackie I got Earl to watch- Haley was the voice. I can't remember Char- Charmish it, or something weird. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. I got to watch my favorite scene in the movie. I got to see it just super awesome. And then I walked, walked it back. And as soon as I walked in, there's like one more trailer. One or two more trailers, and I was, you know, closing my eyes and not watching them, just kind of playing on my phone because I don't like watching trailers too. Once I learned that from you to not watch trailers, life has been so much better watching movies. Isn't that amazing how one simple change? And a lot of people say, I can't not watch the trailer. They pop up on YouTube, they pop up on television. No, you can avert your eyes, you can look away, you can change the channel, you can skip that video on YouTube. You just have to have a little self control, you know? Absolutely. Just literally close your eyes. <laughs> That's what, Close your eyes and plug your ears. That's what you have to do. I, I still have not seen a Avengers The Endgame trailer. Yeah. I still have not seen it. Good. I absolutely will not see it because there's no need to. I just, I, yeah, I, I know I'm going to watch the movie and I, I want to be completely surprised with the storyline. Uh, totally. And let's just, before we get to Captain Marvel, let's talk a little bit more about the Captain Marvel trailer. We'll hit the trailer aspect of it first. Um, watching the trailer after the movie... It didn't really spoil too much for me, but let me tell you, I loved it when I was sitting in the theater and all of a sudden Agent Phil Coulson is on the screen again. I did not have any idea he would be in the movie, but then when I saw the trailer, you see a glimpse of him for a, a half a second. So everybody who saw the tra- trailer, if they love Phil Coulson, if they love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they weren't surprised by his appearance. But me, that made the movie more fun being surprised that one of my favorite Marvel television characters was there. And not just that, and I completely agree. I saw, oh, that's really cool. You see Coulson there. But you see, I didn't know Samuel L. was going to be really, you know, a, a big part in it. I had no oh. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of figured he he may he may have a, a part in it because, you know, he knows Danvers. But to actually see him be at a big part of it, it was almost like an origin story for both he and Captain Marvel at the same time. I thought it was really cool. Without a doubt, yeah, and it was it not only him and Captain Marvel origin, but also kind of an Avengers origin. I mean, he got his whole idea about getting super people powered or super powered people together to fight off potential um, interstellar adversaries because of Carol, and then meeting the Skrull and the Kree. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was really really cool. I like the way they they pieced all that together, and they do a lot of good job or good job with a lot of different Easter eggs and type things. Like I I was watching something. 
and his, um, sorry, Carol Danvers' best friend, her daughter is her name. I can't remember her name, but anyway, she's supposed to be like a, one of the Avengers or, you know, in the, she's a character in the, in the future, um, uh, comic books. And so I thought that was kind of neat to see that. Yeah, totally. Her name is Monica Rambeau, and I learned a little bit as well afterwards, because just like you, you probably went down a little YouTube rabbit hole or Google rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. looking up Captain Marvel stuff. And I guess she was a a version of Captain Marvel in the past, like 10 or 20 years ago or something, Monica Rambeau. Yeah, it, so it's kind of hard to get the storyline straight with the comics, but... I'm just turning off my brain to the comics and everything they did because the Captain Marvel name changed um, back and forth. And I know Shazam, they like DC wanted Captain Marvel name. And like they, they, in order for them to keep the Captain Marvel name, they had to like, you know, make somebody else. And it went back and forth. And it's just, you know, money or not really money, but like, you know, property, intellectual property for them to keep. But um, so I'm just focus, fully focusing on the the movie storyline from beginning to end rather than trying to piece in other things. Totally. And I think it might help that you and I do not have hardly any familiarity with Captain Marvel at all. I've never read one of her comic books, either, you know, 30 years ago when I was collecting comic books or even recently. I've seen her in, you know, as a part in other storylines, but not familiar with her at all. And I think that might have helped me watch this movie and enjoy it so much. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. Now, I would say I was very disappointed in Brie Larson's um, acting. I thought, I don't know, you're, you're probably going to, me might be different, but her, I thought her acting was, this is the worst casting that Marvel has done by far. Um, she wasn't horrible. Like I didn't detract where I just hated the movie because of her, but man, her, she just got, has this personality. It's like, it feels like I'm getting punched in the face every single time I look at her. Like she does her face, her facial expressions just kind of remind me of what's her name in, um, uh, fear of the walking dead. Uh, what was that? That number, that lady. Oh, that, yeah, she was the mom, the head mom of the family. Yeah, always. Um, had I can't remember her name either. Same look on her face. Same like she just looks like that. She just doesn't look very uh, 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 appealing at all. Yeah, she looks horrible. And mm-hmm. so, anyways, um, but I, I, they maybe that's what they wanted. But man, Brie Larson really just or Lawson or Larson. Larson. Um, yeah, she lost it for me. Uh, I didn't feel that way at all. Now, I didn't see that she was like a standout actress. I didn't think, oh my gosh, she's incredible. I thought she was just fine in the role. You know, it, it was nothing to write home about. She's, of course, never going to be nominated for Best Actress, you know, Academy Awards or nothing. But I thought she was just fine as Captain Marvel. I think she pulled it off uh, as far as I could tell. And I did not get the sense of, like you said, uh, getting punched in the face every time she was on screen. She, she reminds me of 40 Miles of Dirt Road. <laughs> oh, you're crazy, man. That's wrong. She's not the most beautiful of gals, but um, she seems like to me like she's probably a pretty nice, sweet person in real life. Uh, that's maybe. how I. That's the sense I get. Okay. One one thing in her acting that really struck me at the very beginning when you see her fighting uh, her counterpart, whatever his name is, um, but Jude Law, Jan um, Rog. Yeah, so they were fighting each other in a practicing and training, and she pulls up her fist like she's going to punch. For some reason, girls who don't know how to punch, they they don't put their fist straight in line with their arm. You know what I mean? So it's actually, you want to have your fist pointed down just a little bit so your knuckles are straight in line with your arm when you're punching. Now, what Danvers or uh, uh, Brie Lawson did was she actually had it crooked a little bit up. So I mean, she just doesn't know how to punch is really what it comes down to. And so that that type of thing, I was like, man, that's just sad. 
you know, I got the same feeling, especially that first fight between the two of them. I don't think Jude Law did any fight training. My guess is he didn't do anything in those fight scenes. Neither did Brie Larson. I think those were both stunt actors. And I think it shows because a lot of that fight was taken from, you know, further back. And when they cut in close, it's like... They had the two of them with the camera five feet away do a quick little move like they just got into that pose where he was holding her or she was holding him. And I don't, I, I guess we are spoiled with some of those movies nowadays. Like you watch John Wick or you watch oh, Jackie dude. Chan. Those guys, well, John Wick, Keanu Reeves, of course. Those guys do so much training. They are in it to win it. They are embodying the role, you know, and they're getting active in those parts. It's a bummer when you see an action movie like this and the main actors aren't doing what the others are doing. You know, it detracts from it a little bit. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't say a lot, but it definitely a little bit. It really Mm -hmm. detracted for me. Uh, But yeah, so what was funny, I wanted to bring it up to you. So Samuel L., you have him back in like the late, 80s 80s right like 89 was it or no no it was like 95 mid 90s 95 95 and so what was interesting is i thought you know samuel l i remember seeing him in another movie do you remember what movie you could think of for samuel l being in it in 95 or just uh, a long it was time actually ago much much like uh, well i remember movies. him robbing mcdowell's with a shotgun there you go is that what you were thinking exactly coming to <laughs> <Okay>. america <laughs> uh, yep so i super remember that because i thought you know what? They do a fantastic job with making Samuel L. and Coulson. They 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 uh, look younger, mm-hmm. you know, because they're supposed to be a lot younger. Yeah, they, they de-age them. Yeah, they did a really good job with that. But all you know, I, I was noticing. I was like, man, Samuel L. He looks younger than when he did back in um, uh, coming to coming to America in '88. Coming to America is at 88. Anyways, they should have just taken his look from coming to America and transported that face onto him. But yeah, um, yeah they, they did a really fun job, a fun and good job with the whole, um, you know, de-aging people. They, that's really, really good. Yeah, without a doubt. And they didn't do any kind of de-aging with Annette Benning though. She stayed her normal self. I always like seeing Annette Benning in movies. I haven't seen her that often. She played, um, you know, Dr. Wendy Lawson in this one. And um, uh, I, I always like Marvel movies and DC has been doing this quite a bit, putting kind of older actresses in their 40s and 50s into their movies. And it's pretty cool seeing them instead of her being some kind of like older woman who we've never seen before. I like it when they introduce a new character, but it's a friendly face that the audience knows. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And one thing like with Annette Benning, when you first see her, when she's like in the, the intelligence thing where she's uh, Brie Lawson's uh, or. Uh, Danvers is thinking and talking to the intelligence. Like I was like, man, Annette's doing a horrible job with acting. I, I, it just really struck me for some reason it did. How about you? I didn't see anything wrong with the acting at all. It seemed like she was portraying somebody. She wasn't like a motherly figure like you've seen her in other movies or or whatever. She's just portraying what they call the supreme intelligence. You know, somebody yeah. who is above everybody else, who's the leader of this entire civilization of people. So I didn't see anything wrong with the acting in that one. So I personally did not care for the music. It's like they were trying to do a sad comparison to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Wait, with the said, '90s music, you didn't like it? No, no, no. The, like the the '90s female music. They did, let's just let's just throw every popular you know female song oh, in yeah. there. It just didn't fit for some reason. Like they tried and they tried to make it fit. It just didn't fit the the, the scene. Like the songs are okay. The songs aren't bad. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, like in the fight scenes and stuff, I'm like, dude, this is it's just they're forcing it. 
Yeah, it you're you're right. Uh it the music doesn't feel as natural as Guardians of the Galaxy or even for uh, Baby Driver. I know you weren't a big fan of Baby Driver, but they use that music very well in that movie and this one catchy songs but maybe not used the best way yeah 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 i i think that's really what it came down to me Mm -hmm. but i still think because i liked a lot of those songs this movie does a good thing that some of those other things like stranger things on netflix or guardians of the galaxy they bring that nostalgia factor and that helps you to enjoy the movie a little bit more because it reminds you of some maybe some fun times going on road trips with your friends with that kind of music you know oh yeah i completely agree yeah it brings you back to like nostalgia like oh i remember the song and i remember exactly 90 like what I was doing back then, you know, I was, I was in uh, like a junior in high school. But don't get me wrong, I think the songs are fine. They didn't know how to use them well, though. Like it was, it didn't fit right to whatever the scene was or whatever it might be. Like I'm just comparing to like Guardians of the Galaxy, which you can't really do. Oh, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, you sent me a text. Like I was literally inside of the movie, and you sent me a text. What was that text? The text was that they had just announced that James Gunn is going to actually return. Disney rehired him to write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That is fantastic. Best news ever. I'm glad they pulled their heads out of their butts because, dude... James Gunn is probably one of the best directors, even though all their directors have done a decent, like a really good job, a decent mm-hmm. job. Um, James Gunn just, I think, took it above him and Taki, Taki, what's his name for? Taika Waititi. Waititi, yeah. He was terrific too. But, you know, they all do a really decent job. But um, I do, <laughs> inside um, the the movie, I really thought, and it did it, did when Danvers changes, did she remind you of something? When she actually becomes the full, you know, she says, I've been fighting with one hand behind my back. You know, um, now that she's fighting with two, did that remind you of anything? Not not offhand. Okay. When she gets her full powers and she looks, you know, all on fire, she looks like a Super Saiyan. Oh, <laughs> like, like I see it now. Like yes. Goku. Yeah, her hair is all on fire going up and everything, but it was only like a brief second that it really, like mm-hmm. like two two times that she looks like a Super Saiyan, you yeah. know, like Goku on fire. Yeah. I was like, man, that that's an awesome look. <laughs> it's just a super awesome It look. is. I wish I could pull it off every day of my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Walk around as a Super Saiyan hair, blonde hair flowing. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually bleached my hair back in like I don't know I think it was like 2000 and I didn't look like Goku even though I'm, I'm happy <laughs> even though you tried <laughs> I tried <laughs> even though you had the Goku body yeah yeah you got <laughs> <laughs> so before we continue on with the movie there's there's I gotta ask you what is your score or grade for the movie so I give the grade because of um, usually about watchability and so I thought it was enjoyable. I watched the first time I walked out thinking it wasn't as horrible as I thought it was going to be, and, mm-hmm. but I wasn't blown away. So I give it a 69. Oh, it's a D plus? A D plus. What the? Huh? I oh, know, I'm huh? shocked by that. The only thing that really was redeeming about it was I thought Samuel L. did a good job and I enjoyed watching him in, in doing everything. But like the whole... It, it was interesting with having the the Cree coming into effect and all that sort of stuff, and Ronan coming back and all that. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch it. It's 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 almost like a Thor part two. Like I don't know if I'll watch it again. I'll watch it with the kids so the kids can see it, so they can get the storyline. But it's not a rewatchable movie for me. Gotcha. I don't know if I'll be buying it when it comes out on Amazon Prime, um, but I will give it a watch at least one more time because what I heard from some other like reviews of the movie, when you watch it the first time, you don't know that the Skrull are going to be good guys. Uh, you know, 
sometimes it's fun to rewatch a movie a second time, like unusual, not usual, the usual suspects. Watching it a second and a third time, you pick up on so much stuff you didn't know before. Well, now that you know the scroll is going to be good and the Kree is going to be bad, you can watch it and like look out for those things and maybe catch some nuances that you didn't catch before. So I will watch it at least a second and a third time. But beyond that, I agree with you. It's not super rewatchable for me. So I'm giving it, but I really did enjoy the story. I like how they introduced the character, her motivations and stuff. We'll get all into all of that in a little bit. So I, I give it a B is my rating. Oh, I gave it six nine. Sorry, I, I keep doing it. I gave me D plus. I, I went back to the our old scoring. Yes, I give it a D plus because it was. Um, it, I was not disappointed, but it wasn't like over the top. I don't like know. A, a D sounds pretty disappointing. Well, remember we try to stay away from C. I so, know. Oh. I got you. I got you. So we don't want to give C's because that's just like an average yeah. score and yeah, you can give kinda. anything a C that's not saying that's not putting your stamp on it or kicking it to the curb. So you're kind of kicking it to the curb as at a D. Correct. Gotcha. So, I mean, if, if, if we weren't, if we didn't have that standard where we try to stay away from the C, like the middle range and eh, let's just give it a C, mm-hmm. um, it would probably be like a C, like a straight C just because, yeah, it was okay, but I'm not going to watch it again. So because I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I'll watch it one more time with the kids, but I won't watch it again. It drops it down to a D plus. Gotcha. Looking forward to the future. Do you think this movie is a necessary watch before Avengers Endgame? Absolutely not. Oh, really? You think that we can watch Avengers Endgame be introduced to Carol well, Danvers there and it's no big deal? I, You know what? And now that I take that back, because she is... She's almost like Superman. Like, she literally cannot be harmed at all. She I hope destroy- she's not that powerful. It, it looks like it. I mean, It seriously. looks like it. You're right. I mean, she's literally flying through spaceships. Mm-hmm. And I just like, <laughs> okay, like, that, that there's, there's really nothing that she can't do. Yeah. Um, but... It just seems like it. So you would need to watch this in order to really, because they're probably going to use her powers or figure out something she's going to do or whatever. Um, but I do think that Ant-Man is definitely going to come into a big play with mm-hmm. the, the uh, um, what's that called? The, you know, when you get into the very, very small, the, um, oh, shoot. Quantum verse. Quantum realm. Quantum, quantum realm. realm. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Quantum technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Quantum in front of everything. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if there was probably... Because we haven't seen Endgame, of course, but probably between the two, if you had to recommend one, it would be Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I think you're going to get to know her, her her powers and everything, but with all this, without knowing Danvers at all, um, they really could do like a 15-minute a thing in, in Endgame. Obviously, there's a lot more to say, to show, or sorry, to, to tell in the end game, but they could do like a 15 minute thing that brings her up to, brings us all up to speed on her. But then again, you know what? She might have her own series and she might, you know, have, or a couple other movies from her showing what she's did afterwards, because brings me to thinking, what does Danvers do to the Cree after like she leaves and the Cree's fine, but you see Ronan flying around. Like he's a Cree, they call him a Cree fanatic and all that sort of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, did she destroy the Cree and Ronan was the last one or like, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah. Well, I think that's where they're going to go with Captain Marvel parts two and three, which I'm assuming they're going to do. This movie was at least financially excess successful enough over the past two weekends. It's made over $500 million. They're definitely doing at least a part two. And my guess part two will be her taking, um, Ben Mendelsohn's uh, Talos will be taking Talos and the other Skrulls to some other planet. And potentially it would be cool to have Ronan in a few more stories as well as having um, Jimon Hansu's character Korath seeing more of him, you know, Um, seeing those guys in some more Captain Marvel movies. I I think that's where they're going to take it. 
Honestly, I think if this came out first before Iron Man, it, this would have bombed. Oh, I agree. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. totally. Yep. Yeah, it's it's totally riding on the coattails of everything else. And oh, without a doubt. But I do like how they tie in a lot of things. I mean, even the Avengers Initiative, the name of that came from Samuel L. Jackson's interaction with her and seeing that photo with her and his whole just wanting to put supers together to fight off potential um, bad guys from outer space. I mean, I, I do like how they tied this movie into everything else. And you get to see Agent Coulson, like um, Nick Fury called him the new guy. And I really loved how Agent Coulson was there and he's the new guy, but then he lets Nick Fury go and you could see a look that Nick Fury gives Coulson like, you are the man. And that's why later on, he puts so much trust in Coulson to the point where he becomes director of S.H.I.E.L.D. later. Yes, I I definitely agree. I thought it was really cool. That he had entertain- I, I was kind of hoping a little more from Coulson to see him in the movie, mm-hmm. but oh well, I mean, it was a Samuel L. movie. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So, um... You know, you and I talked about leading up to this movie. We didn't mention it within the past few podcasts or anything, but there was a bit of trepidation behind watching this movie because of all the the negative SJW feminism kind of press behind the scenes and stuff. Not behind the scenes, I mean, people talking bad about it um, and just decrying or, or defaming whatever the word is, the movie before it even came out. But here, I want to play something for you. Um, This is a little audio from an interview I heard with Kevin Feige and the Empire podcast. And it's about all of, before a lot of the movies, there's a lot of backlash because they announce who the actor is, what the story is going to be. And the fans will go, oh my God, that'll never work. And then the movie comes out and it works, right? Yeah. So let me play this little bit of audio for you. And one of the reasons why is because there's so much backlash on this movie, but this movie has been so pretty well received by almost everybody that it seems like that backlash is unnecessary and let me let me play for this audio this audio for you right now again to me it's always whether it's whether it's reading in the early days of of online fandom with with uh, ain't it cool news back in 1999 that uh, that brian singer's a terrible choice for x-men and hugh jackman's way too tall to be wolverine we're very thick-skinned and we're very used to the second guessing in the and the uh and the uh, and the sort of and the sort of color commentary during during the process, and we'll do what we've always done, which is block it out and make the best movie possible, because mm-hmm. it always comes down to us about the end product, about when the lights go down on opening night, and the clean slate appears, and what is the experience of the movie. And clearly, we believe that we're on the road now with Peyton Reed to the best version of Ant Man that could have existed. Cool. So, uh, oh, and I forgot to mention that was about that was an interview leading up to the first Ant Man movie. And before they mentioned Ant Man, or when they mentioned Ant Man, people went, "Paul Rudd is a superhero Ant Man. Who gives a crap about him?" And then look what ends up happening: becomes a really good, popular movie that fits in really well with the Marvel universe. And I think this movie, the same thing. Kevin Feige has not addressed any kind of SJW, any kind of feminism criticism, any kind of kowtowing to the left stuff at all. He just says, hey, screw it, we're going to make a good movie. And I was a little bit, you know, worried that it might not work out. But I just know from Kevin Feige, this is the 21st movie. And all of them are better than, most of them are better than average movies. So I put my faith in this movie and I was glad that it worked out. Yeah, yeah. And so when I looked at how, you know, they're they're all talking about the SJW or which was a social justice warrior and feminism and all that sort of stuff. I don't know why they had to make it like... Obviously, uh, the actors or whoever is going to be talking, they're going to talk on their own. Um, but man, just trying, it seems like they were doing too much to try to play on something or other people trying to play it up. Anyway, so when I watched the movie, 
I didn't get very much of that. I did see how they're really trying to make females like um, not as good as men. I'm not saying that or better or anything like that. I'm just saying in general, they were portraying women in, you know, doing things well. And so I was like, yeah, it actually wasn't bad. I, I, you know, I'm completely like, I'm like the last person that would ever be a SJW or feminist or anything like that. So as what in watching it, I wouldn't say I was watching for it actually wasn't. Um, but I knew in the back of my mind, I would actually catch anything like that. I just thought that they were just trying to show that those two ladies, like they could hold their own, you know, they, they were decent in um, what they did. And if they were good enough, they could make it and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I was happy that they didn't shove it down our throats. Cause I heard Brie Larson said she wants to make this the most feminist film ever. And I was like, Oh, I hope it's not going to be like that. So I'm really glad that they didn't, uh, it didn't come across like she was saying it. And Kevin Feige, you know, be having thick skin, like he says. I agree with you 100%. And I don't know that I heard that Brie Larson said that kind of stuff, but I haven't been just like, we don't watch the trailers. I don't watch too many pre-movie release interviews. I don't want to know too much about it. So I don't actually know what words came out of her mouth. You know, those could have been um, anti-feminist kind of males and men and stuff, just trying to, you know, twist her words around and putting an emphasis on what she said when she actually didn't say those things when she meant something else you know so well, but i'm not going to take the time to go back and yeah. watch old interviews to see what she said all i know is this movie did not like you said shove it in our faces and i'm really happy about that yeah and well, i'm pretty i'm almost 100 positive she did say some things like that but oh well you know what the movie was it was enjoyable to watch i didn't get detracted from it um did you notice a couple of things inside the movie like when she's in the movie blockbuster or the blockbuster movie um store like that was obviously fun oh wow there's a blockbuster mm-hmm. and then she shoots you know do you recognize which um uh movie poster or like the cutout cardboard cutout that she shoots yeah she, she saw it. Ar- she shot arnold from true lies yeah she did i thought that was really cool now what with the storytelling i just read that a uh, little trivia was that she was actually supposed to shoot jim carrey in the mask you know mm. being green and everything mm-hmm. um but they couldn't secure the rights from the movie company to allow that movie poster in there. So that, that was kind of interesting. That would have played a little better. Cause like, why is she shooting, you know, to a man and a woman standing there as opposed to if you just saw Jim carrying the mask, that'd be a little different. Totally. I agree with you there because green head crees or scrolls are green. I, I agree yeah. with you there. That's pretty cool that they at least tried that. And that, that just goes to show what the filmmakers, the kind of thought they, that they put into this stuff, you know, that would have made total sense, but legal issues withstanding, they couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think about the cat and that whole, you know, thing with the cat and uh, Samuel getting scratched in the eye and all that sort of stuff? I was cool with the cat, man. I liked it. It was a flargnarg or some kind of weird creature that has some kind of interdimensional pocket in its stomach. And that's where it swallowed the Tesseract and barfed it up later. I was I was down with the with the cat in the movie. You know, a lot of people saw the cat on the movie posters or on the stand ups and said, oh, what is the cat doing here? And they would they would, you know, mock the cat before they even see what it is. And it plays a pretty cool role in the movie, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. Even though I hate cats, like I literally hate cats. I'd be, <laughs> I'm a dog person. Um, cat. So, but when I saw it, I was like, oh man, they should just shoot the cat. I mean, that that would that would take care of everything. But um, that's even before you even knew what the cat was doing. But I thought it was really neat. I thought it was fun, and I thought like Samuel trying to use him as a weapon against the <laughs> the Kree and all that. Well, that was pretty good. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense why he didn't because not all of them were bad. It was just you know, a few of them when the other guy was good. You know what I mean? Yep. I totally know what you mean. Yep. What did you think about, um, uh, the use of the Tesseract in this movie? 
That was super cool. Didn't expect that the Tesseract would do it. Now, wasn't it the Tesseract that also created? No, no, it wasn't the Tesseract. Which one was it created? Uh, Scarlet Witch, or was it Scarlet Witch and um, her brother, the fast guy? Uh, I think that was the Mind Stone that was inside Loki's scepter that he used to control people. That's right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So this one, the Tesseract, the last time we saw it, Howard Stark at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger. The Tesseract is what Red Skull touched and sent him to planet Vormir. And then it fell out of the ship when Captain America was crashing into the ice, right? Well, Howard Stark went in the ocean when they were mapping it off and trying to find, you know, they were trying to find Captain America's ship. They found the Tesseract. So ever since then, in the 1940s, Howard Stark has had it. And then all of a sudden now it turns up in Annette Bening's or Dr. Larson's hands, you know, in this one. Which is the question that I have. Like, how did she get it? Why did she have it? And, you know, if uh, a shield was already all put together, like, wouldn't they have already seen that? And I, I just, it, it just well, came out of nowhere. Maybe which was, or maybe not. Howard Stark, and then he was probably doing it before his son Tony Stark did it, selling military equipment and technology, or selling equipment and technology to the military, right? Well, Annette Benning's character was part of the military, maybe giving them the use of the Tesseract to test it and to develop, you know, uh, flight and travel technologies with it. Maybe that's what was going on in back in 89 or yeah, back in 89 when, um, Danvers, you know, took the test flight. Yeah. Well, yeah so sense. it was, it was out of shields hands until this movie. Yeah. That plays, uh, that, that plays well. Mm -hmm. I completely understand. I liked at the very end where the cat coughs it up. <laughs> that was like a hairball. I was like, that was good. Yeah. That, that was a pretty cool part. Uh, what do you think about Ben Mendelsohn as Talos or Talos? I thought he did a fantastic job. Now he, he has a little bit of a personality, like he's from like England or like, obviously his or Ireland or like his accent and everything. Um, well, he's so, Australian, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, so and they allowed him to keep his, um, uh, his, his natural accent for this movie. And I've always liked him, and a lot of the movies I've seen with him in, especially recently, he's a really good actor, and I was happy to see him in this role. So, what other movies do you remember him in? Um, he was in Rogue One. He was the main bad Star Wars bad guy in Rogue One. He was also the head guy of uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, uh, the, yeah. The head bad guy, uh, Sorrento in Ready Player One. So he's been, he's been in a lot of other stuff too. But I'm always happy to see him. He's a great actor. I think he's uh, in in the past few years he's been in a ton of movies. But from this point forward, I mean, this he's going to be a huge name actor like Christoph Waltz or you know anybody else big who's come along recently. Yeah, he's been doing a really good job. I didn't realize that that was actually him playing the scroll guy and playing himself like you know without the the. Uh what is it like makeup and, and effects and everything. Yep. So he was actually playing himself when he switched into, into the guy. Yep. Yep. They just used his own face when he, when he switched into, I guess the uh, director Keller, I think was his name. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, now that I'm knowing it, cause I didn't realize that's who, who it was, but I thought that was good. I like that a lot. And he's a good actor. He really is. Yep. I agree with you there. So uh, let's see here. Uh, there's a lot more that we could say about the movie, but let's get into lessons right now. Um, my first lesson, and I think, well, no, I think this happened at very early in the movie. And the lesson is you control two things in your life, your reactions, I'm sorry, your actions and your emotions. And this is the kind of thing that 
uh, Yonrog was telling Danvers while they were fighting, you know, control yourself, control your emotions. He was using it as a way to control her so that she didn't gain too much of her power so that they could just control this ultimate weapon that she is, right? But just, I thought it was a great lesson. Just in life, you control the way you act and you control your emotions. You could choose to be happy. You could choose to be sad. You could choose to be mad or offended right now. So it's just a lesson for everybody. The world may do what it does and you may naturally naturally react to it. But if you take a step back for a moment and you don't like your reaction, you can change that or your emotion, you can change it. Yeah. It's all how you react to things that actually plays out in your attitude helps you mm-hmm. to react in what is, whichever way is possible or that you're going to take. So that's a great lesson. I, I, I like that a lot. I'm right there with you. Cool. So my actually goes right along with that. Hmm. Um, when I saw Jude Law, what, what's his name? Jan Rog. Okay, Rog. So Jan Rog. So when Rog was doing the, uh, you know, teaching her and showing her, you know, use your head and not your emotions and not your heart. I was like, that's it. That's the exact contradiction to good guys of Guardian of the Galaxy. So I'm like, I'm not even, as I was watching, I was like, that's just wrong. You know, you should not go against your heart. Like, like your emotions, like you should just like feel it. I use my heart instead of my head. And I was like, that's a contradiction. So I, even while he was teaching that, I didn't know that he was actually going to be bad. I thought always go with your heart, not your head. Like you want to figure out where, not necessarily your heart, but like you want to use your, uh, like, like your sixth sense, if that makes sense. Like you don't want to just use all your head and just like, um, be too, um, I don't think too much. Like sometimes you just need to act and sometimes you just need to do it. So I, I think you need to go with your heart and, and where your heart's leading you. Nah, that's not that, you know, as I say that it's coming up, coming across a little more touchy feely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheesy. But yeah, like when he was saying that, I just didn't like that. So maybe you can help me word it a little better. But it's it's like, don't just go with your head. You need to use everything about who you are as a person. Absolutely. You've got to go with your gut and go with what feels right. If something, we've talked about this in prior lessons, if something feels wrong, you should not be doing it. And if using her powers feels right, and I understand his whole reasoning, like he says that, you know, if you can't beat me without your powers, then you're not good enough. If she ever encounters somebody with the same powers and she can't use additional skills to beat them, then she's done for and she's toast, you know? So I understand that, but I agree with you there. You've got to go with your gut. You got to do what you think is right. I think go with your gut. That's better. Not your heart. Go with your gut. Your first instinct is usually the right one. So go with that one. And so, yeah, I'm right there. Absolutely. Cool beans. My second lesson goes right along with my first, kind of like what you just said. You could be your own greatest enemy. And I cannot remember who said it in the movie. They said something like, know your enemy, it could be you. Um, Because many people in this life, they blame the outside world. They blame their teacher. They blame their parents for their problems. And uh, you control your actions. And like you had said earlier, you control your reactions to things. You know, if your life is screwed up, just blame yourself. It's your own damn fault. Now that you've accepted blame, you're not a victim. You're not blaming other people. You can move on and you can work to better your life and better to or work to improve the aspects that you just don't like anymore. That is a great, great lesson, a great point, because along with, you know, if, if you keep feeling like you're the victim and other people are doing it to you, then when do you actually get out of that? Like you almost never get out of that because you're always, you can't, you can't, you can't move on because you're stuck in that. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. You can't move on. So you have to forgive if you need to, you need to just move on and say, you know what? Oh, well, I can't, I can't do anything about it and let me move on and make the best because you know, I personally cannot control a single person other than my, other than myself. 
I can only control what I do and I can't control what other people do around me. Now I can control who I'm around, but at the same time, you know, I can't control who's going to be a troll on, you know, um, Facebook or, you know, social media, whatever, but I can only control how control how I act and react to those things and my attitude towards them. So I think that's great. Yeah, we don't want to be seen as a victim or we don't want to think ourselves as a victim. We want to think of ourselves as victors. Like we're overcoming all this junk that people are trying to throw on, on us. I'm still going to overcome it. There you go. I love that. Way to, way to put a nicer, finer point on my lesson. <laughs> yep. Awesome. So number two for me, the second uh, lesson is question everything. Even if you think you're on the right side, you need to check and recheck to make sure you're doing the right thing. And we see that with Danvers as she's realizing like, wow, am I really on the wrong side? As, as she's, you know, listening to, um, yeah, this, the head lead scroll, listening to him say, you know, X, Y, and Z about my family and try to get all that sort of stuff. She's realizing like, maybe I'm on the wrong side. So she didn't just keep going with her, um, uh, you know, first, taught you know she was taught she's actually opening up and she's questioning like maybe i am on the wrong side and so um this ties in a little bit to um the the lesson we learned i can't remember which one it was uh which movie it was but the lesson was um you need to stand for something or you'll fall for everything Mm -hmm. and so what we want to stand for is being good you know being not being evil but being good and i'm gonna go right into my third point because it's i actually just said it um you want to be on the side of good not the side of evil. You're not, not the side of killing people. And so if people are being killed, you want to be against that. And so, you know, you want to question everything. You want to check and recheck. And you want to stand on being good. Just like with Alita, she goes, I do not stand by in the face of evil. Like, that's absolutely right. You know, you need to question everything. If you find out you're on the wrong side, switch over to the right side. That's you're standing on the side of good. 100%. I love those two lessons that you put together right there. Those are freaking perfect. Thanks, um, my third lesson, um, this is this is how it goes. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. And I don't know where I first heard this, but Stewie said it to Brian in an episode of Family Guy once, and they, they kind of treated it like a joke. But I truly believe this. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. You know, people who tell themselves they're no good at math they will never be good at math, right? People who tell themselves, I can't read and I or I can't read and I can't write. Yeah, they're never going to be able to read or write, nor even write a book, nor even write an essay in class, right? Your beliefs turn you into the person that you're going to be. And like for Carol Danvers, her beliefs, her beliefs in herself, her belief in wanting to um like stand up against all these people that told her, oh, petite little blonde gal, you can't do anything. You're a little nine-year-old girl. You can't drag, drive a go-kart, right? She wanted to stand up to all those people. And even though she forgot everything in her past life, those those feelings, those emotions, those turned her still into the person who she who she was currently, right? Like, it was really interesting seeing her crash on Earth. She'd never been to Earth before. She doesn't know she's an Earthling. She doesn't know what's going on. But right away, she walks up to a security guard and talks to him like, I know exactly what I want. I have a mission. I'm competent. I can do this. Even though she doesn't know her history, she still went forward. You know, I just loved seeing that aspect of her. And she's the kind of person that she believes she can do anything. And I love that. Yeah, I, I it really truly enjoyed, and I, I love that lesson. I truly enjoyed how they kept showing her memories and going back and showing the times that she failed over and over again. You didn't really see it coming, or at least I didn't see it coming, that 
she gets back up. Although we know she gets back up, but the power that came from showing her fail, 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 fail over and over and over and over and over again, she fails. But then when she realizes who she is and how she's being held back and, you know, she's fighting with one arm behind her back, um, she realized she gets up and says, no, this is, I, I'm, I'm doing this. She, you go back and you see all the, this, this is the storytelling in the movie, which is really good. All the editing and everything. Now it shows her get up and, either do it again or do it right or whatever, but she doesn't give up. And that's, that's something that's great about the human race. I think, um, as long as we're given the opportunity, you know, it's not taken away from us. Like we're, you know, put in prison or something, as long as we have the opportunity to try, try hard and, and get better and get stronger. Um, like just humans in general, not all of them, but humans in general, we usually find a way to like, you know, pick ourselves back up. That's why I love the, um, I say this to my kids all the time. And, um, what hap- what do you what happens when you fall off the horse like what do you do when you fall off the horse you get back on like you just keep getting back on like when we go skiing and they fall and they said oh i'm uh, snow skiing they, oh i'm hurt hurt i'm like you got to get back up we got to go again yep. you know we got to do it again you can't have your last thing be where you you fall and fail you get up and you do it again so i completely agree and tying on with your lesson i think with that word can't it i heard the statement i thought it was a great statement can't means won't if you say, mm-hmm. I can't do this, it means I won't do it. Like, I'm just telling myself right now, I won't do this. You're limiting that limiting belief that you have about yourself is actively being played out because you won't even do it or you won't even try or try until you actually do it. You know, you can keep going and keep going. So can't means won't, but you're absolutely right. Whether you know, whether you can or right. what was your that Stewie said? Um, yeah, whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. That's a great, great lesson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. Um, So uh, my Monday morning quarterback for this episode, did you come up with a good one? I did not. No. Oh, you didn't? Oh, well, mine was, I, I had to, I kind of had to dig deep on this one because I didn't really find too many actions of the characters in the movie that they could have made a better choice, right? Everything seemed to be pretty logical. Bad guys and good guys, they all seem to be doing what they should be doing. But Jude Law, he should have had that little electroshock thing to incapacitate Carol Danvers like Valkyrie did in Thor Ragnarok because that implant in Carol Danvers, the back of her neck or whatever, it looked kind of like the Ragnarok implant. So he was missing one crucial little tool to subdue her. I have one of those for my dog. <laughs> just tap it on the dog. She start, as soon as she starts barking, zap. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's what he needed for uh, for Captain Marvel. That is a good point. Well, I have another one. I, oh. uh, this is – and I uh, – it's easily – but it doesn't do much. It just gives Fury his eye back. Don't play with stupid cats. Leave, leave cats <laughs> alone. Cats are bad. And he'd, yep. he'd have both his eyes. And I love um, the, the lead squad. What was his name again? Talos? Talos. I loved Talos. Like his his um nonchalant like shaking of his head. Like when oh it's just a scratch, it's getting better. He's just slightly shaking. Exactly. His head. Yeah, he knows what that scratch means. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. I agree with you. Uh, I thought that was really good. A hundred percent. Hey, I want to tell you my uh movie prop so that you don't take it from me. It's the modified pager. Ah. That's what I would want. Yeah. The modified pager. Mm-hmm. What so, about you? So that's that's not or that that's the one that Danvers has, right? Well, the one that Danvers gives to Fury at the end of the movie that we see in the little post-credit sting right there again. Got it. So it's not the one that he's texting back to Coulson saying, "Hey, I have the suspect." And that, no, it's not that's that one. a it's, normal pager. Yeah. 
Okay. Two well, actually, it was better than an oral pager. It was kind of like a texting pager, huh? It Back was, in 95. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though I hate cats, I didn't find any other uh, prop. The only other, before I get to what I wanted about the cat, um, the other one, other one was the um, sharpshooter in the beginning. You know, see the lady on the on the roof? Oh, Not you're roof, right, yeah. Like, yeah, that rifle that she's, you know, taking long distance shots. I thought that was super cool. I'd, I'd definitely want that. But um, the other thing that I would want, and also because I give this a D plus, like if there was anything really memorable about the movie, I just take the cat's name tag. You know, not not Danvers, you know, dog tag, but they actually, they literally the cat's you know collar and name uh-huh. tag just hang it up. Gotcha. That's that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, but the pager because it's also from a couple different movies. You know, we're probably yes. going to see it again in Endgame. We saw it in the prior movie and this one. So that's you're you're absolutely right. And so um, if I were to think about it again, taking that would actually be very very cool because you can literally just put it on a shelf and say, and everybody would absolutely know what that was. If you see a name, you know, cat's name tag, it'd be kind of like, uh, what is that? Oh, yeah. it's the it's the thing. You know, that is that eats the everything. cat for Men in Black Two name tag? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I like that idea of the name. Oh, the um, the the pager. Sweet. What I was have your a... favorite favorite oh, scene? We haven't talked about that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, my favorite scene. I had two of them actually because I I wanted you know I wanted I, I had two favorite scenes. First is the one on one between Carol Danvers and Fury when they were in the bar talking about stuff and he she said what's one thing that a squirrel could never make up what can you tell me i cannot eat toast cut on a diagonal i mean that's you know how how random is that nobody would ever say that in real life so i thought that <laughs> whole scene was pretty cool when they getting to know some getting to know each other and that also what led this movie to be not a, like a buddy cop movie but it kind of was in a way they were two people coming together kind of like opposites, different personalities and stuff, but working against or working for a greater agenda, you know, to save other people. I like that aspect of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you're right. I, I do appreciate, I did appreciate it. And with, like I said, Samuel L, it's almost like an origin story for Samuel L as well. Mm-hmm. thought that was, that was very cool. Yeah, I'd totally. say, I think just visually the best part, and it, this probably goes within line because like I said, it wasn't the best movie. Um, just when she becomes Super Saiyan, and you know flies around and does all that sort of stuff and has her mohawk you know but um i just thought that was that was really really good really cool visually to see and i was watching it in 3d which was really cool oh oh good i'm glad i'm glad you watched it. i didn't watch it in 3d i just watched it in regular but uh it was yeah it was pretty cool a lot a lot of pretty visuals and stuff i didn't think there was as much action as i wanted out of these movies but the other my other favorite scene was the escape scene when she broke free i liked the action there and there was one really awesome move. She picked up a scroll guy and kneed him in the air and he flew into the wall. I've never seen that in a movie before and that blew me away. It was just so <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, in seeing this, as she gets her powers getting stronger and stronger, I'm like, man, is she going to be like Superman? Like she's, like like I said earlier, she's going to be so powerful. But then again, how I, I'm just really, I'm cautiously optimistic about the end game or um, Avengers end game, mm-hmm. because when you look at it, the whole scenario is like, how in the world can they actually win when he has the, the glove and they try to go after him? All he has to do is, you know, either see him coming or like never, never take it off. And, you know, he would be totally fine. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they're going to play with the quantum realm and, and captain Marvel and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to pull off. That's coming on May, right? Like two months. No, I think it's. I think they bumped it up. I think it's the end of April, so really darn soon. Oh wow! 
awesome. Yeah, well, I'm, totally. I'm, I'm probably going to be the first day. Yeah, well, yeah, so will I. And I have kind of the same reservation as you. The only thing I do not want to see um, uh, is is Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, being the solution to the problem. Like, we've been following the Avengers for so long. I want them as a team to solve the Thanos problem. I don't want Carol Danvers to be coming in and just supermanning it up and ripping Thanos and his Black Order, whatever they're called, to shreds by herself. I do not want that. I agree. Oh, it's April 26th. I just looked it up. So, you know, you got a little over a month. But it's kind of like, if they do, it'll be just like the, not the Dong of Justice, but Justice League. Yes. Where all they needed was Superman. And like, eh, whatever. Like this is, I just throw a Superman at him and you're fine. Um, but I hope it's not like that. If it, Let's just get Captain Marvel there and everything's good to go. Hopefully it's like they, and I, I'm... Um, who are the uh, um, the directors for the Avengers? For the Avengers? Oh, Joe and Anthony Russo. Russo, yes. They they do a really good job storytelling and I don't I doubt that they're going to make it crappy. You know, I, I hope it's I, I hope it's going to take all of them to literally do it rather than just Captain Marvel. But then again, Captain Marvel, she has strong powers and she can shoot things and all that sort of stuff whereas, you know, um uh, Thanos, he literally has a glove and he can do anything. So it's it's rather interesting to see how they're going to do it. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Um, so any any last things before we wrap this puppy up? No, I just like Samuel L. I you know it, uh, what movie was? Oh, uh, I I saw part of or like a trailer or something of the is a Ted movie where there's you know, another Ted coming out. Ted Part Three? No, no, it was oh. one of them. And he says, "Who's Samuel L. Jackson? Have you seen any black movie or oh, any movie with any black yes. man in it?" That's him. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Samuel L. is in every movie. But he's a good actor. I mean, he does a great job. Oh, one thing I saw, it reminded me when he was drinking a milkshake. I was like, that kind of looked like, or no, not not he, but she was, uh, Larson was drinking a milkshake. It reminded me of Pulp Fiction for some reason. And I was like, no. Nah. And I, I just looked it up and somebody said that it was like, it was a play off of that. Like it's the same type of cup or something like that. Oh, were they in uh, in a car driving together, drinking out of it? Something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, I just, but yeah, so I really like Samuel. I think he's, he's a fun actor to watch and he does a good job. 100%. I agree with you there. Um, oh, the last thing I want to say is when they started talking about the scrolls and how they can shape shift, it reminds me a lot of times in movies, I don't like it when shape shifting occurs or like in Mission Impossible, when they can put on a mask and totally assume somebody else's identity. For the most part, I think that's really easy outs for stories. It's like, we don't know how to solve this. Shapeshift or face mask is a really easy out. But I like how they did not overuse it in this movie. And I'm really hoping that uh, as I was watching it, there were four Skrull warriors or Three of them that crash landed with Talos. One of them ended up escaping. We don't know where he is. And I'm hoping he doesn't come back as some like mystery scroll that's been there. I don't want him to be Coulson this whole time or anything, you know? Yeah, I I agree. Like the whole time. It's literally somebody else. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play a little. I mean, it's not really a game, but like um, ask your thoughts. So honestly, I, I haven't seen any other art that I know of. I don't I haven't seen Brie Larson in any other movies. And I think she is the worst casting that Marvel's done. Um, I was thinking of other females that could have done a good job. And I just saw something that was pretty interesting. Um, like uh, Jennifer Lawson. Is it? No, Jennifer. Jennifer uh, Lawrence. She, Lawrence. She could have been pretty good as Captain Marvel. Um, one thing, Charlize Theron. 
mm-hmm. I think that's her name. I thought she could have been a really good um, uh, Captain Marvel. There's a couple other ladies, and I, I I can't think of their names off the top of my head. Is there anybody else that you could think could could do, probably do a better um, Captain Marvel than Brie Lawson? Uh, oh, I'm I'm sure. I haven't put any thought into it. I don't know. Nobody offhand that comes to mind that I would rather see. Like, one of the things you and I talked about before, you had mentioned to me in a prior podcast that they were thinking about doing a Black Widow movie. And I said, well, you know, it's not that I want to see a Black Widow movie, but if they do it right, I'm down with it, right? So... Uh, Brie Larson in this role I was fine with her I'm down with her if it ended up being Charlize Theron and we watched it this past weekend with her great I'm sure I'd be fine with it too like I don't really have big choices or people that I die to see in a movie or portray somebody as long as they do it right and do it justice I'm down with it yeah I guess I just uh, it was funny I just was scrolling down IMDB at, at looking at Captain Marvel and somebody had like Tootsie up there and I saw Dustin Hoffman. I was like, maybe Dustin Hoffman would do a better job <laughs> for Tootsie, you know, but anyways, um, that was just joking. But, um, yeah, you know, I guess it just, her acting was just so rough for me and the, her, her personality just, I felt like I was getting punched in the face every single time I looked at her, but oh, well, you know, a lot of people might really, really like her as an actress. She might be fantastic, but, um, this movie is a little rough, but in all, I, I enjoyed it. I'll watch it one more time with the kids, but probably never watch it again. So, um, with that, I think it was a good addition, but not necessarily 100% necessary, but it was enjoyable to watch. I agree with you there. Yep, yep. Well, it was more enjoyable for me. Uh, you give it a D plus, I give it a B, but I think it was an enjoyable movie. And, you know, like we said before, I recommend that people should go see this, especially before Avengers Endgame. Maybe you not so much. So I think well, I think that's a good way to wrap up. Any last things? Well, I would say that they should, if they love uh, Marvel, they should absolutely see this movie. Oh, yeah. It's not going to let them, or at least I don't think it lets down. I think it's it's a it's a good movie and it helps you to understand Captain Marvel and the, the dynamic of her coming into because it's hard invent, introducing a character that you've never really seen or don't know anything about and all of a sudden boom you have a whole brand new character that is almost like superman that's completely all powerful but yep I, i'm good to go that's it for me okay cool beans well um like we had talked about a few episodes ago i am taking a little bit of time off from the podcast uh in order to get my first poker course done it's a ton of work as you know creating courses and stuff so over the next few weeks we are going to do some repeat episodes but in those repeat episodes we'll let everybody know when the next new episode is coming out and i'm thinking it might be hellboy do you want to go see a redo of hellboy (laughs) man they they just can't come up with anything i know they can't stop themselves huh my goodness like hey this made money let's do it again (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah i'd be fine with hellboy okay cool beans so that's probably the next newest one sometime in mid-april or so but up until then we'll play some of the repeat some of the older episodes maybe some of dusty and i's favorite movies um leading up to hellboy and then of course avengers endgame sometime in the future well thank you everybody so much for listening if you enjoy the episode please share it with a friend and then now that you know how we feel about captain marvel we'd love to hear your thoughts and not just your thoughts on the movie but also any life lessons that you took away from it so please visit our show notes page watch and learn podcast.com slash pod 40 and go there and please just leave a comment and start the chat with us you know well alrighty then my name was sky and this is dusty and we will return next week with a rerun there you <laughs> go a rerun maybe. it is see you folks <laughs> bye